Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the authors and are not necessarily those of the Department of the Army, the U.S. Army War College, or any other agency of the U.S. government. Decisive Point welcomes Colonel Maximilian K. Bremer and Dr. Kelly A. Grieco, authors of Air Littoral, Another Look, featured in a winter 2021-22 issue of Parameters. Bremer is the director of the Special Programs Division at Air Mobility Command. He's a 1997 distinguished graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy. He has an MPP from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government and an MAAS from the School of Advanced Air and Space Studies. Grieco is a resident senior fellow with the New American Engagement Initiative in the Atlantic Council's Scowcraft Center for Strategy and Security which focuses on challenging the prevailing assumptions governing U.S. foreign policy and seeks to develop effective solutions that preserve U.S. security and prosperity. She received her Ph.D. in political science from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Welcome back, Max and Kelly. The last time you were here, we talked about your 2021 article, The Air Littoral, Another Look. For our listeners who maybe haven't heard that episode or read the article, please just give us a brief recap on that piece. Okay, Stephanie, thanks. And uh, thanks for having us back for this follow-up. We're both very excited to have this chat and really appreciate you and Parameters reaching out to us. So our original Parameters article talked about the area between the ground and the blue skies, and we referred to that as the air littoral, this region of transition that could be accessed from and give access to both the ground and the blue skies. It discussed what we saw as a progressively contested zone of transition with this contestation coming from the increasingly democratized technology, which allows improved access, persistence, and lethality in and through the air littoral. We then went on to ask what that meant for the future joint force. I think the important thing here is that this article is really about the changing character of conflict and identifying that this convergence of threats, new threats to air superiority in the air littoral, meant that we need to update doctrinal concepts. So in the past, air superiority was either won or lost in what we're calling the blue skies. And the blue skies is really where high-end fighters and bombers typically operate. And if you won you know, air control, you won that battle for the blue skies, it typically conferred control at all altitudes. But what we're seeing increasingly is that even if you win in the blue skies, it doesn't mean that you're going to actually have control of lower altitude airspace. And as a result, we really need to update doctrinal concepts around air control and not just think of it in terms of being localized in time and lateral space, but also think about vertical control as well. And that's really important, I think, for both the Air Force and the Army to be thinking about, both to conceptualize this air control challenge as a vertical dimension and will actually be more challenging, I think, for the Army and Air Force than some of the traditional air superiority challenges because it's going to be in a space that both Air Force and Army are going to be increasingly operating in and therefore interacting and need to have a common concept of operation. Let's look at this through the context of current world events in April 2022, Russia and Ukraine. What are the takeaways for the U.S. military here as it relates to your article? Well, failure is an excellent instructor, and I personally prefer to learn from the failure of others rather than from my own failures and experience. So I think what we should be learning from is what failures we've seen, and specifically the Russian experience and the failures that they've seen as a result of the changes in the character of warfare, not necessarily 
the failures that we're attributing to organizational or technological problems. So in other words, we have to learn the right lessons from this. And I think there's a few key ideas related to the air littoral that are worth fleshing out. First, the dominant narrative is that Russia's early ground failures grew out of Russia's failure to control the blue skies and take out Ukraine's IADs, their integrated air defense system. And it's true that they didn't follow the Western model and achieve traditional air superiority, but we don't think that their problems would have been solved by doing so. Even if they had essentially unfettered access to the blue skies, they'd still have to address Ukrainian doctrinal innovations in the air littoral. Russian forces would still be coming under attack from specifically drones, but other things within the air littoral. And the technologies allowing access to and persistence in the air littoral and the increasing spread of these technologies has changed the character of war by uncoupling air littoral supremacy from the technologies that allow access to and persistence in the air littoral. And the increasing spread of those technologies has changed the character of war by uncoupling air littoral superiority from the status of the airspace above, whether or not there's air superiority above the air littoral or not. Yes, and to echo what Max is saying, I think this war is really showing a smart actor, the Ukrainians, who are are really innovative and smart about how they're using the air littoral. And one of the things that I would just emphasize is, you know, a lot of the Western media coverage of the air war of Ukraine is very much focused on the blue skies and Russia's failure to achieve air superiority in the blue skies. But if we imagine Russia had gained blue skies air superiority, as Max was just saying a moment ago, there would still be a tremendous amount of competition in this air littoral, which would be posing a threat to Russian ground forces. And so that's really important because, you know, they still would not be able to deliver effective close air support and to protect their forces on the ground. And there's really, I think, two ways that we're seeing the Ukrainians in particular maximize their competitive advantage in the air littoral. And the first is that they're using their long range surface to air missile systems to essentially pose a constant threat in the blue skies. And so it's forcing Russian aircraft to fly lower into the air littoral to avoid that threat. But as soon as they fly into the air littoral, then they're presented with just a multitude of threats from the air littoral, particularly these man pads, these shoulder fired missiles. And they're actually luring the Russians into that, into that air littoral so they can actually take out aircraft. I think the second way that we're also seeing it is it's not just that they're denying airspace, right? You know, Russians are flying a very small number, but about 200 sorties a day in open source. And most of those sorties are being flown as a result outside of Ukrainian territory, which is quite interesting to think about. It's not just that they're denying airspace to the Russians. The Ukrainians are actively exploiting that air littoral as well. And they've been using these Turkish-made TB2 drones to really wreak havoc on Russian forces, using them to attack the Russian convoys, Russian ground troops. And we've seen, as we predicted a bit in the article, that detecting that drone threat is really hard. The Russians are really struggling with it. They can't seem to detect these drones. And as a result, this is something that I find particularly interesting because they're having so much trouble finding these. It's another reason Russian aircraft are sometimes flying low and that those TV2 drones are almost like luring them in. Yeah, Max? I completely agree. It's fascinating that they're sort of forcing Russian high-end fighters, the very expensive, exquisite capability that's not easy to replace, down into a range where they can be addressed with relatively cheap 
weapons. And they're doing it, as you point out, in two ways. First, they're forcing them down to avoid the threat of the S-300s that are still kicking around out there. But they're also luring them down there to find the TB2s and other things that they can't see either from the ground or from the blue skies. So they have to go down there in order to support the ground forces. And I would just also note that these aleatorial threats they're having so much trouble finding these mobile S-300s. Imagine the Chowers are trying to find these man pads, you know, these stingers that the United States and other countries are sending. So these aleatorial threats are even harder to sort of detect and be able to destroy in terms of to try to gain air superiority at those lower altitudes. It is so interesting to me to hear the excitement in your voices at being able to apply your theories and research to a real world, although definitely tragic event. Any final thoughts on this before we go? I think it's important that we understand that just because the air littoral and the blue skies are becoming somewhat decoupled does not mean that they're not interdependent. Air littoral control and blue skies control must be addressed in different ways, and one doesn't necessarily lead to the other, but they're both of critical importance. We're not arguing that we, we should drop the idea of air superiority in the blue skies, but rather think about how that will interact with the air littoral Yes, I think Max said that really well. And I think the only thing I would add, just echoing you, Stephanie, is say that this is a really tragic war, of course. I think one caution, though, I would offer is that it's easy right now, just given how badly the Russians have performed, to think that everything is about Russian failure and that there aren't necessarily any lessons here. And I think it's going to be challenging moving ahead because their performance has been so bad, but we want to really look at it and discern what are things that maybe are attributable to Russian organization problems and what actually might be about a more fundamental change in the character of war. And this is what Max and I are really trying to argue about the air littoral. Great point. Thank you both. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank Thanks, you. Stephanie. If you enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point and would like to hear more, look for us on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and any other major podcast platform.